Welcome to the Guitar Channel. I am super happy to welcome you another live interview. I have on the other side of the Zoom connection the one and only Adam Levy from Brooklyn, New York. Adam, how are you doing today? So good, Pierre. I'm doing so good. How about you? I'm, I'm doing great. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a while and I think uh, last time we spoke was in 2018 at the Winternam. And uh, it was, uh, I, I remember very fondly this interview because uh, uh, I think we met on the jam pedal uh, booth, I think. And yes. then you say, oh, hold on. Uh, yes, let's do an interview. But uh, you know, a quiet place. And uh, there was this, uh, there was this uh, soundproof uh, uh, room. So it was almost uh, super quiet in the middle of the craziness of the, the winter Nam. So uh, right. what's new since uh, 2018, Adam? Well, let's see. Probably the for me the biggest new thing uh, since 2018. Uh, well, I moved. I, I I was living in Los Angeles then, yeah. and uh, I moved back to Brooklyn uh, in September of 2020. So that was a big move. Uh, what else has happened since I saw you? You were tired well, about the the sun, uh, the sunny California. You wanted some cold weather <laughs> and uh, snow and everything uh, you must have at the moment in Brooklyn. Exactly. I have yeah. a very rare sun allergy. I can't if I get too much sun, I, I break out in hives. So okay. <laughs> I had to get out of California. Uh, what has happened since then? Well, I mean, that's the most probably big thing recently. In between mm -hmm. now and then, I, I made a record uh, that came out uh, in between then called uh, Accidental Courage. Yeah. That's a record uh, of songs that I released in 2019. And uh, as you have a guitar on your lap, can you do maybe a... A short uh, introduction, short music introduction, and then you will tell me everything about that uh, beautiful uh, Gibson you have. Sure. Um, are you hearing it okay? Yes. Okay, great. I'll play just maybe a, a minute of something. Tell me about uh, that uh, gorgeous guitar, Adam. Ah, this is a, a 1945 L7 uh, that I bought mm, in 1945. Okay, no. yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bought this just a few years ago. I had been to guitar camp uh, a couple summers ago and uh, a friend of mine there had this archtop 
an L5, earlier even than this, from the 30s, that he had bought from the Barney Kessel estate. Apparently, Barney Kessel had two of these uh, late 30s L5s. And I started looking. Uh, I got just so excited to have an archtop. I've never had a proper archtop. I've had 175s and things like that. And I looked at some beautiful guitars and I just, I kind of, none of them really spoke to me. Went to some nice guitar shops. And then uh, when I had almost given up, I looked on Craigslist and I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And I saw that somebody in Palm Springs, which is a couple hours outside of Los Angeles, was selling this guitar. So I went and checked it out and it was exactly the guitar that I wanted, but I I thought, okay, I'm just going to cool down a little bit. And then <laughs> a couple weeks later, I went and played it again, and I just really fell in love with it. It's it's so great. Do you, do you play archtop? Do you have an archtop? No, I don't have any archtop. And you know, the archtop guitar is, you, is usually a very uh, intimidating uh, instrument because, uh, it, it mean, uh, yeah, it's so big. or um, It seems that you have to play great to, to have the right to play an archtop guitar. So that's usually how I feel. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I want, you know, I wanted to play great. So... <clears throat> I bought a guitar that I maybe I can grow into. I, I hope I'll have this guitar until I'm until I'm gone. You know, I uh, a few years ago I, in LA I got to interview Bob Bain. Do you know who he was? No, no, no. He was a session guitar player. As when before that was even really a thing to be a session guitar player. Like he played with Henry Mancini. He played. Um, there was a moment in the 50s when all of a sudden in Hollywood, everybody wanted electric guitars on their movie scores and on their records. Uh, and so Bob Bain was one of the first guys who was really a session guitar player. He, he um, If you've ever seen... Um, um, oh, what's the movie where Audrey Hepburn plays uh, The Days of Wine and Roses? Um can't help you there. Sorry. That's uh, okay. When it's really Bob Bain playing the guitar, okay. you know, and he's on all these Henry Mancini scores and such. Anyway, I interviewed him and his whole life, he really just had a couple of guitars. He had a 1939 L5 mm -hmm. and he had a Telecaster and he just, okay. that's what he used for everything. Um, so anyway, so this is my guitar. It's I'm trying to make it be a my the reason I told you that story is I said I wanted to have this guitar my whole life. When Bob passed a couple years ago, he was in his 90s. So he had been playing that L5 that he had since 1939 wow. all the way up in uh, you know, 80 years he played that guitar hmm. and then he passed. So I don't think I'll get to play this guitar for 80 years, but my the joy I've had with it is to use it on recordings where it's not called for, just to use it as an acoustic guitar and kind of surprise myself or surprise the producer with a sound that's not the typical acoustic guitar, but of course it is an acoustic guitar. Mm. It seems to be in great shape, I mean, uh, for a guitar built in the 40s. Uh, can you show us the, again the, the top and the back? I mean, it's, uh, it doesn't look like it is from the 40s. Wow. Yeah, I know. It really doesn't. Um, but wow. there it is. Nice. 
Yeah. I mean, if you really look closely, there's, you know, there's scratches and yeah. the finish is worn down, but um, it's, yeah, it is in remarkably good shape. I, I don't think this was uh, the guitar of somebody who was working in nightclubs. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about uh, the impact of the crazy situation we are going through at the moment. So what's, uh, what's the life of a working musician like you since the, the pandemic? Mm. It's, ooh, well, <laughs> it's a lot of teaching, which, which I do enjoy. Um, so a lot of my time is on Zoom as we are now. Uh, and I'm very lucky to have, you know, I have great students, so there's always, uh, um, interesting areas to, to explore, you know, I'm not teaching people how to play uh, red hot chili pepper songs or, or anything <laughs> like that. It's just, you know, I was about to ask that question. Uh, <laughs> can you show me uh, how to play uh, Californication? <laughs> I, I wish I could. I wish I could. I mean, I don't mean any uh, disrespect. I just mean I'm not the right person for that. Yeah, That's sure. All I yeah. to say. Mm. So I've got great students and also uh, like three or four years ago, I started a Patreon channel. Yeah, guitar and, tips. Um, yeah, yeah, guitar tips. Mm. So it's, you know, before the pandemic, I'd already been doing it for a couple mm. of years and was a little bit uh, feeling like I wasn't sure where to go with it. And now with the pandemic, it's actually, I've, it's given me more time to think actually to how to be more creative with it instead of just me doing sort of lesson type things, I've started to have a lot of other elements and I'm, I might've got there without the pandemic, but just having more time to think about it and being more kind of stuck in one place has helped me kind of open that channel up to some new things. Um, I'm doing some remote recording. Uh, people send me uh, stuff to play guitar on and It's challenging. I, I love to make music with people. That's always yeah. what I've loved to do. And to be in a room, at least with less, I mean, in a, in a Zoom lesson, I'm just alone in a room, but at least there's somebody on the other mm. end that I can make eye contact with and share ideas with. Uh, recording by myself in, in this room is, um, anytime it goes well, I'm, I'm very pleased, but it's, it's challenging. Um, and I've done a few collaborative uh, things with with people for Instagram and and stuff. And the thing that I am missing, you know, I'm sure you've heard people say this 150 times, is that uh, you know just doing stuff with people, you know, or even living in New York, running into people. Yeah. I live in New York, but. Uh, I could almost be living in a small town somewhere, you know, because uh, really what I'm seeing mostly is my neighborhood. Occasionally I'll go into Manhattan to run an errand and maybe I'll run into somebody. But on the whole, I know my neighborhood really well. And that feels <laughs> small townish. It doesn't feel New Yorkish. I guess in New York, you always do know your neighborhood, but you, you know other neighborhoods too. Mm. Uh, just to go back on uh, what you do on guitar tips. So is that a uh, uh, complement uh, complement to what you do as uh, when you teach so you can teach uh, have a live uh, zoom uh, zoom uh, 
session with someone and say, okay, you can head over to my Patreon page. There is this and this theme, this cursus, I don't know, this uh, body of work that you can check, or is that two different aspects of uh, you uh, sharing your knowledge? That's a good question. Uh, there is a lot of overlap, uh, actually. Uh, quite often, I will be teaching something to somebody and as we get into it, I realize, ah, oh, yes, this is something I've already, I've covered it on Patreon, um, either as a, a standalone sing, single lesson or uh, as a series, uh, you know, a series of lessons. And um, I don't know, it's a funny thing when I'm teaching somebody, there's already a, a sort of a business transaction, you know, they're paying for the time. Yeah. so. I'm a little hesitant to say, great, now go <laughs> buy some other yeah, stuff of mine. Mean, yeah. mm. But uh, but it is valuable in a different way because it's on video, so you can watch it over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, if you get confused about a point, you can go back to it. Uh, quite often there's extra, something extra, like either like a playlist that I've attached to a lesson, like if we're working on a certain thing, I might have a playlist or I might have a PDF. So it's... I mean, that's how learning is. There's a kind of a learning that can happen one-to-one -one, and there's a different learning that can happen when somebody's uh, at home in their room with study materials with that. A lot of people get nervous actually taking guitar lessons. And if, you know, if they're more introverted, it might be easier or less stressful for them mm -hmm. to, to learn stuff um, from from Patreon, I'm kind of the opposite. I I watch very little YouTube except to watch performances. I love to watch, like, oh wow, there's this incredible video of Otis Redding that I've never seen. But as far as learning stuff, uh, I would myself much rather just take a lesson with somebody. I've taken a bunch of lessons over the last year. That's been really fun for me. Really? Okay. Yeah. Who, who is teaching you, uh, Adam? Come on, you are the Yoda of guitar playing, so. Uh... <laughs> Who is the master of Yoda? I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I took uh, you know I took a couple of lessons with Alan Pasqua. Okay. Do you know him? No, no, no. He's a piano player, keyboard player. He was in Tony Williams' uh, Second Lifetime, the the band with Alan Holdsworth. Okay. Uh, and he's you know he's been on many many records since then. That's you know, in the, we're talking in the early 70s, but he's a really brilliant player and a great teacher. He's on faculty at USC. So I took some lessons with him and, and talked about harmony. Um, I talked, with, I took some lessons with Lyle Brewer. He's a guitarist in Boston. Uh, I was interested in writing solo guitar etudes and he's written tons of them. So I wanted to ask him his approach to, to writing. Uh, I've taken some lessons with a guy named Gerald Harsher, who's um, not a, he is a guitarist, but what he teaches is is a thing called body mapping, which is sort of a something that sprouted from Alexander Technique and is now, it's really, it's, it's a whole way of thinking about the body. So that's like a, not really guitar lessons, mm. but he is a guitarist and we mostly talk about guitar stuff as pertains to using your body. Yeah.
And what about uh, streaming? Did you do some live streaming from your home uh, during the, the pandemic? Uh, what's your thought on that? Is that a good thing to do? Uh, because it's kind of difficult uh, still at the moment to monetize this. So can it be a, a good promotional tool to, uh, to, to bring people to buy your music on Bandcamp or, or, or places like that? Yeah, uh, when it first when the pandemic first started, and I was, even when I was still living in Los Angeles, I was doing weekly shows, and uh, it did those things that you said. You know, it helped me promote my band camp, and um, but I the reason that I wanted to do it, um, and, and you know, and I did I did monetize it, so it. it when you do it every week, or even if you do, I know people that do it two or three times a week. Um, that seems like a lot to, to me uh, to play that many shows. But I think if you're somebody who's a touring musician, that's normal. You normally would yeah. play two or three mm -hmm. shows a week. That's mm -hmm. that's not strange. That's not normally what I do. So I didn't wasn't inclined to do it. But it, it is a source of income. But the, the thing that I liked about it was uh, it you know, helped me keep in shape to, to perform, you know, even though it's again, just in a room, I know there's people there, they're commenting, they're listening. I had to think of different songs to play every week. I can't just play the same 10 songs every week. So it helped me work through my repertoire. I, I dug deep some, some songs that I rarely would perform after the, like the fifth or sixth week in a row, I realized I can't just play the same hits, you know? <laughs> so I, it made me go back to some of my earlier catalog. It made me learn some new cover songs to sing. Um, I had to learn more about audio and lighting because that's something I hadn't really thought of that much before. Um, and, you know, I actually would get nervous before a show. Uh, which is so funny because, well, it's just, it felt funny to me to be getting nervous for a streaming show, but I liked it. Like, that's a good, I want to be nervous. I want mm. to feel like it's a real thing. And so I stopped after a, a while, um, not for any good reason. I just, I did many, 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 many weeks in a row and then I needed a break and I never got back on the weekly thing but i've been doing like one or two a month now again and uh it's super fun i dress up i play my best i you know i, I tried my best to put on a real show because when we go out again i want to be in shape and also i think people want a real show they deserve a real show i don't want it to feel like uh haphazard or mm -hmm. or anything you know and what uh, platform did you use to to monetize uh, this was it through a website or how did you do it yeah i was doing it at first through uh, a, a website called stage it okay oh yeah i oh, yeah i heard about it yes yeah uh, that was very easy and the more recently i've been doing it on crowdcast uh, because I was using Crowdcast actually for teaching. I was using it to give workshops. And since I'm paying for the account uh, to use it, I thought, well, I might as well get some mileage out of it. The The audio on it hasn't been that great, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying. There's this thing called OBS, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I had not used before. Do you use that for, for your uh, live streams? I, I used to use OBS uh, as a software solution to manage the, the different uh, video stream, you know, from different cameras. But I switched to a hardware solution from Blackmagic Design. And mm. now I am using the ATEM Mini Pro, which is, I think, the best investment I did here in the showroom because it is a hardware solution. So you don't need to have, a, you know, a, a super beast of a PC or Mac to be able to, to run it because all the heavy lifting for the video stuff is done by the ATEM Mini Pro. It works wow. really great. I can talk for hours about it. And if you have any question, I will be more than happy to, uh, <laughs> to sell you a... Uh, <laughs> to sell you this <laughs> because wow. OBS can work really well. Yeah. That's that's really cool. So I'm I'm trying OBS now. I've, I'm actually doing a live uh, live concert stream next week on March third. I'm I'm doing a concert on on Crowd. So the platform for people who want to watch it is Crowdcast. If you go to okay. Crowdcast.io, mm-hmm. uh, you can search for it there. And so that's another way to to monetize it. So yeah, so people can buy advanced tickets. And um, last time I did it, one of my students was watching and you can share the screen, you can bring somebody on. And I had a feeling that he was sitting home with his guitar watching and playing along. So I asked him if he would come on screen and play a guitar solo in in one of my songs. Uh, Since I can't really play guitar solos and, you know, when I'm doing my songwriter thing, uh, I mostly play rhythm and sing. Occasionally, I'll take a solo. So mm-hmm. I asked my student Ben to to come on screen and and play, and that was fun. But so he played just by himself, not with you, right? It's, it's no, not with possible. me. Okay, it was working with the connection and everything. There was no lag or. Uh, it's funny with, yeah, with Crowdcast. There's a, quite a lag. But the trick was I had to not listen to him. Yeah, okay. Mm. So if he's playing along and somebody else is watching, like my mom or whatever, (laughs) to somebody watching, it actually sounds pretty much live. But if I... I, as the primary broadcaster, if, if, if I try to listen to somebody while they're playing along with me, no, it's a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Mm Very cool. Uh, you have a guitar in, in, in your hand, and I have this question uh, about uh, the composition process you, you have. So I'm not going to ask you to do a full training course on how to write a beautiful song, but uh, as I know a little bit your music and you have some really incredible song, uh, what's your process to, to write a, a song? Where, where do you start? Or do you have a specific method from one to Z, uh, A to Z to write a song? So what's the secret, Adam? I pretty much do have a system uh, when I'm writing songs with words, which I think is what you're talking about, because I also sometimes write little guitar things, but uh, I always start with the words and I almost, I never start with, like, it's a funny thing. People who are not songwriters will often say to me, oh, you know what you should write a song about? You should write a song about <laughs> this. And I, I really never come at a song from that way of thinking like, oh, I want to write a song about. Mm. I start with rhythm and meter. Uh, so, and, and sometimes a, a little phrase, two words, three words that could be a title or just 
a nugget. I need something. If I have a blank page, it's very difficult. So I try to keep a little list in my phone, you know, just in notes. Whenever a little phrase occurs to me, I keep it. Uh, and I'll need it later. So I don't mean I start writing the song at that moment, but I'm just gathering little mm. things. So when I do sit down to write, I've got some ingredients. You know, I don't have to go to the market. Okay. The, the, <laughs> the pantry is full and that's that's good. And then, so what I usually start with one is a, a little nugget of, of conversation or, or a couple of words or a title. And then I will think about a meter like the verse say could be four lines and each line could have 10 syllables, 10 syllables, eight, 10, 12. It's just a mathematical construction. It doesn't seem like you would get any good songs that way, but <laughs> almost every song I've written has started from just that. If I start with a blank piece of paper, I usually don't end up with a song. I need some structure. Okay. Um, I usually have a tempo of some kind, but not a beat. I'm not writing to a drum machine or a loop. It's just I'm tapping my foot. Is it a fast song? Is it a slow song? Mm -hmm. Is it a waltz? And then I just start writing poetry. I might set a timer for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I start writing just poetry based on the, the structure that I've mentioned. Um, that might be just the structure of one verse, but I bigger than that, I would look to what's the structure of the song. Does it start with a verse and then go to the chorus? Sometimes I'll start with the chorus and then go to the verse. I'm always looking at what's the last song I wrote and how can I not write that song again? So if that song was in a major key, I'll try a minor key. If that song was in 4-4, four, four, I might write in 3-4. If that song had many verses and no chorus, I'll try to write something that emphasizes like a really catchy chorus. So that each time I write a song, I'm uh, trying not to write the same song again, but my method is, is the same. It's always about meter and I'll write many verses more than I need, you know, and then once I have too many words, I'll um, go back and look at which ones seem to have the most power and maybe change the order around a little bit. Uh, it's very rare that I write a song when the first verse is the first thing I wrote and the second verse is the second thing I wrote. Things always need to be moved around to tell the story. Because in, in that poetry process, you're really just like a film director. You're just shooting a lot of footage. You know, you're just, you're just trying to shoot a lot of footage. And then later on in editing, all kinds of stuff could get moved around because then your job becomes to be a good storyteller. And then once the story feels good, then I'll, I still haven't even touched the guitar yet. The guitar is the last thing. Mm. Once it feels good, on paper, I'll start reading it out loud and just listen. Is there music already in the words? Just the way that words, uh, there's already music inside the words before you have a melody. So I listen for that. I listen for the cadence. I listen for the, the rise and fall. And then a melody will start to come. And finally, once I've got the lyrics and the melody all together, you know, the, the melody... As I was saying with the song, uh, I try not to write the same song. Same thing within a song. If the melody and the verse goes this way, I have one, I have the chorus go a different way. 
so so that when you come along for the ride you you know oh we're in a different place now we're in a different place now we're not just in the same section the last thing i do is i pick up the guitar because that's the thing i've been doing the longest <laughs> and it just comes the easiest so it's not that hard for me once everything else is in place to find the chords or the you know whatever it is that that goes with it mm, interesting and it is always the same kind of process first the the words the lyrics then you move the guitar to the the music and the and uh, kind of melt everything together to fuse yeah. everything together to make the song cool yeah Great. and the, the only time i change that is if i'm writing with somebody mm -hmm. uh, if i'm in a room with somebody and they say well you know i mean if i've gotten together with somebody to write a song uh i'm i'll do whatever works like so we may then start with the music or we may it could be anything and and then occasionally i've done collaborations where somebody will just send me music that they've written and i'll put words to it or they'll send me words and i'll put it to music but if it's me on my own it's almost always the the process that i described if if i've i don't know how many songs i've written but let's say i've written 200 songs i would say uh, of the ones i wrote myself out of 200 songs 180 of them were written exactly as I just described. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I know you have another interesting guitar right next to you. So can you show us uh, your latest uh, acquisition? Sure. <laughs> uh, let me put this. Don't break uh, the Gibson. Huh? Uh, <laughs> I'll try not to. I, I do. I do baby my guitars, but you have to think like a guitar from 1945. It's probably been through some things that I don't, have, that I don't know about. Uh, this is a, a, a new, for me, this must be the, not only the newest to me, but also it's a 2009 guitar. Uh, it's one of the newest guitars that I own. It's, it's, also, it's a Collings. Yeah. Um, it's a, called a CR. Like, uh, like the Gibson, it's got an Adirondack top. It's a sunburst. These are things that I just like. I like sunbursts. <laughs> um, I like Adirondack tops. And uh, this thing is just a beast of a guitar. And I, I play very lightly, but you, you don't have to. I mean, you could lean into it. I'm, I'm, I may be... I, I would venture to say I'm one of the quietest guitar players that you would have on your show. <laughs> <laughs> That's the good title. <laughs> I am the quietest. <laughs> I challenge you to play quieter than me. <laughs> Come on, let's quiet. go. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> yeah. And so what uh, uh, what did you um, what were you looking for uh, in in that guitar? What did you buy it? Hmm, that's a good question. Um I was looking for something that I didn't have. I have a few acoustic guitars. Uh, you can't see it right now, but just on the wall, I've got this beautiful Waterloo uh, 12 fret yeah. uh, slotted headstock guitar. And uh, I have an OM, uh, Collings OM. And I don't know, I just wanted something that 
was a little bigger and warmer. Uh, this is a, a Gibson scale and the OM is a little bit longer. I, I wanted to just have something that sat in my lap and sounded like uh, warm and wood and uh, that's what this does. It's, it's, it's quite great. I haven't put a pickup in it. It doesn't have a pickup. I suppose someday I'll put a pickup in it, but right now it's just It's just so beautiful sounding. I don't know if this comes across in Zoom at all. And, um, Sounds pretty good. And I don't want to sound like I'm just like, you know, advertising for callings or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I paid for this guitar. I bought it. But I think it's really special, you know. So it just goes. It's so lively. It's really incredible. Yeah. I can imagine, yeah. Especially in your hands, uh, Adam. <laughs> hmm. Uh, a couple of months ago, I think it was, I am checking my note here, it was in August, in fact, uh, la last summer, I did a, a remote interview with uh, your good friend Adam Miller from uh, Australia, and he wrote a song uh, which is titled Adam Levy, so I have to ask you, what do you think of that song? You can tell me, we, it's just the two of us. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Ooh, I mean, it's incredibly... Uh, flattering that somebody that anybody would do that and then Adam Miller is such a great guitar player um, uh, there's a there's a scooter going by there is a bike race uh, in your street Adam. yes <laughs> yes that's Brooklyn <laughs> that's Brooklyn um, you know it started because we were we were at a jam a jam session together and we weren't sure what we were going to play so i just made i just yelled out a chord progression that i was thinking of <laughs> okay and we jammed on that for a long time and i think that that chord progression was the uh, the genesis of of the song that he wrote um so i guess that's why he called it adam let i mean i i guess that's why uh I, I don't know. I like I like it if it's okay to like a song that's named after me. Yeah, it's definitely a great song, and the the, the all I am I'm a big fan of Adam uh, Miller work, and his latest album is really great. So, um, what are the next occasion people will have to to see you online? You just mentioned one live broadcast, which is upcoming very soon. So, can you tell us again what it is and where people can go? And I think you have another one also right after that. Yeah. So th the the first thing that's coming up as a performance is March 3rd. Mm -hmm. uh, it's at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, which I know is a terrible time. If you're in Europe, it's probably the middle of the night. Something like but, that. Uh, but you, you don't have to watch it in real time. A nice thing about the Crowdcast, when I was doing Stage It, they don't archive anything. So you have to tune in or you miss it. Mm. With Crowdcast, if you miss it, it just, you can watch it later. So um, if you go to crowdcast.io, you can search mm -hmm. for it there. Or if you just go to my website, adamlevy.com, uh, that's coming up March 3rd. Okay. And then the other things I've got coming up are uh, educational. Uh, I'm doing a workshop for, uh, there's a website called Learn Jazz Standards. Uh, some of your viewers may know it. Um, 
And they're doing this weekend, uh, the February 27th and 28th, really a whole festival of master classes, not just guitar stuff, but they've, you know, piano players, saxophone, uh, drums, etc. Every aspect of jazz, really, uh, somebody's talking about it. So my particular workshop is going to be about writing contrafacts, uh, which just means taking a jazz standard and writing a new melody to it. And uh, so I talk about why you would want to do that and how you could do it. And uh, it's something I've done a fair bit of. I always learn something. Uh, and then the other workshop is about accompaniment, which is a lot of what I've done. It's funny to me that I am ever taking a guitar solo because all I ever really have wanted to do <laughs> is accompany people. But if you if you have a guitar in your hand at some point, somebody's going to go take it. You know? <laughs> so you have to. <laughs> but be that ready. was never. Yeah, that was never my in intention. But um, it just is. It's part. It's part of the job. So, uh, so I'm going to be co-leading a workshop with Cheryl Bailey, who's an incredible guitar player. You may know Cheryl. Um, she was in New York for years. Now she's in Boston. But we're going to be not in the same room, but virtually co-leading a workshop on accompaniment for the Alternative Guitar Summit. And that's going to be uh, March. Uh, I can't remember the date. I want to say the 6th or the 7th. It's it's the following weekend. And again, okay. it's a whole festival. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Adam, uh, I think Adam Rogers is doing something. Uh, I think I saw Mike Stern too. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Just the, the worst. The worst of the worst. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I think Nels Klein is doing something. Bill Frizzell is doing something. Uh So there'll be some performances and some workshops. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, March uh, 6 and 7. I am looking on your uh, Instagram oh, feed. You. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Very cool. And if people want to book uh, a training session with you, they go to adamlevy.com to contact you. That's the way to, to go? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Excellent. I have one last question for you, uh, Adam. What are you listening at the moment? What uh, excites you in the music? Yeah. Um, a, a lot. I've been buying records, a lot of stuff from the early 70s for some reason. Uh, I found a record shop near here, uh, near us in Brooklyn. And the last few records I bought, uh, there's a Shirley Scott record from... 1970 called something it's got two of my favorite guitar players on it it's got eric gale from stuff oh, wow. yeah Great and uh and billy butler who a lot of people don't even know but he's fantastic guitar players and they're both on it uh so so i was like oh i gotta get this record even if it's not great there's like two <laughs> of my favorite guitar but it is really great shirley scott or she's an organ player or was an organ player Um, I've been listening to that. Uh, I've been listening to a Bobby Blue Bland record called his California record. Um, it's got Larry Carlton on it. Uh, not bad. <laughs> not bad. And um, what else? Uh, oh, I got this Calvin Keyes record called Shawnique. He's somebody who I totally had overlooked and somebody mentioned him recently to me. So I was like, okay, what's a good record? And I got this record, Shawnique. That's a really great record from, again, the early 70s. Um, 
uh, of course, after Chick Korea passed, yeah. I went back and listened to some things. Um, I hadn't been listening to, I haven't, I loved him when I was in high school. He was one of my, I had probably this many Chick Korea LPs, like all, all different kinds of groups and, and projects and things. And, um, so there, there's a YouTube clip of him, uh, around the hymn of the seventh galaxy era with Bill Connors playing guitar, you know, playing a Les Paul into a Marshall and, you know, I know other guitar players played with Return to Forever, but if you haven't seen this video, uh, just go on YouTube and look for, I don't know, Return to Forever, Bill Connors. And I've watched that clip a dozen times or more. And then the last thing I'll mention is there's this Otis Redding record called uh, uh, In Person at the Whiskey A Go Go. And that's from a little earlier, that's 1966. And it's everything you love about Otis Redding, but harder, faster, louder. It's insane. He cut right out the first song. He His voice is on fire. The band is on fire. And it's mostly people I've never heard of. The guitar player was somebody I've never heard of. It wasn't Booker T and the MGs or his, it wasn't the Bar Ks. It was just guys he was touring with. And it's incredible. It's mind-blowingly good the guitar is really dry intense the band is tight uh it's so exciting if you if you if you're burned out on music get this record otis redding in person at the whiskey at gogo you you will jump out of you literally will jump out of your seat it's so exciting excellent thank you very much for all those uh, great recommendations adam uh, Adam, it was really awesome to be able to have you again on the show. Uh, hopefully next time it will be, I don't know, at the Winternam 2020 or if I, um, I am able to come to New York City one of, uh, uh, hopefully in the not so distant future, you can guide me through uh, the nice uh, place in, in, uh, in, in Brooklyn and New York, okay? I would love that, Pierre. And of course, if you come to Paris, I will be super happy to have you here at the showroom in Paris, France, so we can do a, a very uh, a, a real uh, guitar in hand interview. Deal? Oh, wow, I'd love that. All right. Thank you, Adam. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. For the price of a magazine, subscribe to The Guitar Channel to access the full videos.